1: These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Shot on Score North and scorenorth.com.
0: Both uh, searches are starting right away, uh, but the GM is going to be our first selection, and then the GM will have input in the head coach. But we've begun our process right away. Like I said, it's an internal process, and uh, it, it's something we have uh, great football operations uh, people here in the building, and uh, we're going to lean on them as well as our relationships in the league and, and elsewhere. So the process has already begun, and uh, we know there are a lot of good candidates. And at the same time, we know that this is a uh, highly desirable uh, uh, place for people to be.
1: Yes, just in case you forgot,
0: Rebecca and Janelle this agree is with all Mark
1: about <laughs> is that. What- Wow, old-school, old-school Bob Lins players. Judd, who are you rocking there? Is that Danny Gladden? Danny. We will Must, find is out. Is a mustache, Gazzle. Dan Gladden? That, that is Darren a mustache, Gladden. Dan Gladden. We will yeah, we find will out, find gentlemen,
0: out. in the next 30 <laughs> minutes. There's been a big push for Danny Mr. Gladden. Gladden to enter the Twins Hall of Fame. The official announcement will come down in 30 minutes. They strip my, They stripped
1: my ballot this year. I've been, been too negative on the Minnesota Twins. They have stripped my ballot. He did earn our vote. I'll tell you I've that much. I've been voting for Dan Gladden for years, too. So if this comes one vote, shy, I I blame the Twins for oh. not sending a ballot. Okay. <laughs> do you guys uh, watch Curb Your so, so,
0: Enthusiasm? Of course. Yeah. Well, yes. do you remember the episode a couple back about the one vote? Yes. Yeah. Yes. God, was That's great. what I thought of instantly, Phil. Now, that might have gone over the head of many people watching or listening to this, but if you're a Curb Your Enthusiasm we fan. We cancel out the votes. It's fine. Yes. Let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah, I'll go home.
1: Uh, boys, we're celebrating three things today. We're celebrating Reckless Speculation Thursday. We're celebrating Doogie's birthday.
0: Whoa. And we're celebrating
1: the 14th anniversary of Doogie getting laid off from K-Fan. How's that for a- <laughs> A day of celebration Oh, Jumes!
3: Well, congratulations and I'm sorry. Or I'm sorry and congratulations. Is it
1: 14 or 13?
0: Is it 13? I don't even know. Yeah, I Is mean, to 2009? use a fan pun. Yeah, it was 09 So I guess it would be... Okay. Yeah, 13. 14, About, 14 years ago. You know where I was 14 years ago? 14. Freezing my ass off at Lambeau Field. Brett Favre's final game as a Green Bay Packer. The NFC right? Championship wow. game. Giants beat Packers. That would have been January 20th, 2008. Yeah, January 20th, 2009, I was laid off. Yes.
1: <laughs> how, how, were your cheeks anywhere near as red as Tom Coughlin's cheeks in that
0: stadium?
3: <laughs> didn't you and Cory go? That was
0: an epic trip, though. I'll tell you that much. Dukes? What?
3: D- didn't you and Corey go, Roofsey?
0: No, Corey did not make that trip. He came down to New oh, Orleans okay. for the NFC Championship game. But, yes, uh, that was Roofsey for that trip. This one was... Uh, Lou Bavaro. Remember Lou? Used to do some stringing for the Associated Press. Yeah, he's now now a ribs guy down in Naples, Fort Myers, down in Southwest Florida. Yeah, so it was Lou, it was Laura, it was me. Yeah. Love it.
1: So, all right, let's let's get into it. When Doogie comes on the show, you can find him, by the way, 5 Eyewitness News Sports Team, The Scoop Podcast. He brings inside information about Minnesota sports teams. Let's go inside the Vikings search for a general manager and head coach. I know both you and Judd have been sleuthing and digging. And so, Dugs, I'll just throw it to you. They've already went through a, a bunch of GM and a handful of coach interviews. What are you hearing to this point?
0: Well, and more interviews to come today, Phil. It's Elliot Wolf of the Patriots, Glenn Cook of the Cleveland Browns. We still have some head coaching interviews to go before the week is over. Tomorrow, Todd Bowles of the Buccaneers, Raheem Morris of the Rams, Kevin O'Connell still will interview this week. D'Amico Ryans of the 49ers will still interview this week. But, yeah, they've already interviewed a number of candidates. I can tell you, I will read verbatim text messages from a candidate that has interviewed. These interviews have been done via Zoom. There are a lot of people on these Zooms Mark Wilf, Ziggy Wilf, Rob Brzezinski, Andrew Miller, CEO president. Andrew Miller has his fingerprints all over these hires. Ann Deppner. I'm not quite sure Ann's name is out there. It is now. Ann Deppner of the Vikings is a part of these Zoom calls. Did I mention Ryan Munnins? It's a lot of people. They are all about inclusion. They are all about collaboration. But here is verbatim, as I try to get my phone back here, verbatim from one of the candidates that has already interviewed. Went well. It was a big crew. Different feel, but everyone seemed to be genuine, and they just want a good person with? Inclusive approach. He thinks things are going to happen very, very fast. So I guess I gave a little clue away that it wasn't Catherine Roche of the Eagles that I was texting with.
1: Okay. Okay. So so it feels like so he likes the too many. process,
0: but just noted a lot of people on this, on, on this Zoom. Judd thinks there's too
1: many cooks in the kitchen. And I well, will say this, yeah. th- this is apples to oranges, but the Timberwolves took a similar approach of like, let's get nine people. Let's bring people in from different areas of the company, from the business side. Hector, Jim, Cheryl Pete. Reeve, open, yeah. yeah, Jim Pete, right, and uh, and now Gerson Rosas put together a playoff roster, which is a subject for another time. But they wound up getting a completely different version in reality of what they thought they were getting, even though they had nine people or whatever it was. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna. We're going to make sure that no stone is left unturned and no opinion is left in the dark. Right. So sometimes I feel like having too many people with an opinion can be a bad thing. But I don't know if you can say that specifically about this search yet.
0: Well, go ahead, because I know you have strong opinions on that. Then I'll chime in afterwards.
3: Um, I just have some concerns about it's not just the the amount. It's the people in particular. And and you said that. Miller is going a long way towards driving this uh bus and we, we talked about this Phil on Tuesday on bonus scoop uh he's a business guy with a baseball background who I am told um as recently as as last summer like continually referenced well what I did with the blue jays was and I said okay dude but no no one's going to care like that's baseball which is a cute little sport I love baseball but it, it's not football. And so I don't think it's just the amount of people. I think it's the it's the people themselves and what they bring. Like Brzezinski's not a football guy, but he's been around it forever, and he's a super smart guy, and and I think he's picked up a ton. And so, like, would I exclude him? Absolutely not. The Wolves have to be there because they obviously own this team. But it's not just the amount. It's the people and what they know. And, and, again, I feel like with what Dukes is saying is they're probably going down a path of inclusion across the board because Mike, you know, was not about inclusion. Rick was probably a little bit more, but I wouldn't say Mr. Inclusion there. And I just, I'm concerned that what Phil said about the Wolves thing could be true here. Which is, if you're like business guy and you like, I really like this person, it's easy to fool
1: you. Like, would, you I, w- would you rather the Vikings, if you had two choices, the way the Vikings are going about it, which is different people, business, and this and yeah. this on the calls, or the way that the Bears are going about it, which is, uh, let's just bring in 79-year-old Bill Polian like and that. he's just going to run the entire search.
3: I don't like that. I, I think the smart move w- would be to have people who understand football and people in that room. But well, who would those people be?
0: Well, I mean, Bill Polian knows, right? I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea on the Bears' part.
3: I just don't like the fact that, that I, I mean, he used to be really good. I'm not sure that he still is uh, as good. Well, that's fine. But, I mean, and that's where Rob Brzezinski comes 20, into play, where Rob's opinion yeah,
0: but Miller, should hold a but, ton of weight.
3: It should, but, dude, you, you keep saying Miller has a ton of pull. He does, That yes. really
0: concerns me.
3: Yes, he's I mean, everything I've heard probably, is Miller, think-
0: big-time yeah. influence, yes.
3: Yes, yes, that, that concerns me because those guys tend to Bigfoot things, and they think that they know, and I'm concerned with his background that he's not going to, and that's how, that's how you get fooled.
0: Okay? What I want what a- some clarity on, okay, if you want to compare it to the Wolf search, Hmm. Rosas, I mean, heck, Rosas took interview classes for years. He was so well-prepared, he blew them away. Yes, it was, you know, very calculated. I mean, he knew exactly what was coming his way, but he just, he blew away the room. Let me remind you that Calvin Booth, Chauncey Billups, two other individuals who interviewed a few years ago, they had comparable things in their slide presentation, so they had used the same individual to help them prep for the Wolves interview. It was just... Yeah, you might want to ch- at least yeah, change the font. You there were like, some red flags like, there. Change the colors in hey, PowerPoint. It worked out, right? <laughs> Chauncey's now a head coach. Calvin's number two in Denver. Heck, Calvin was here last weekend doing some scouting, some gopher scouting. I think he made it to the Wolves-Warriors game as well. Calvin is going to be a pobo at some point. It's a matter of when... Not if, but yeah, there there were some red flags. Rosas just blew the committee. Cheryl, Jim, the others in the room, Ethan, out of the water. With the Vikings, like, how do you differentiate? Like, I told Judd on Tuesday, Phil, that I'm told Jamal Stevenson, for example, has a pre-existing relationship with Mensa of the Browns. That there is a friendship there. So how does he put that bias aside? Or is Mensa his guy? Then let's say Ann Deppner wants to go to bat for, you know, Catherine in Philadelphia. But then you've got somebody who wants to go to bat for Brandon Brown. Aaron Wilson, a Houston-based reporter, used to cover the Ravens for the Baltimore Sun, used to cover the Texans for the Houston Chronicle. He's got a bunch of good connections in the league. He tweeted the other day that Ryan Poles of, of the Chiefs interviewed very, very well. Now, what exactly does that mean? Like, how do you even interview real well via Zoom? I know there's some concern about that that part of it, not doing these initial interviews in person. But I just don't know, how do you differentiate all these opinions? If Stevenson goes to bat for one person, Munnins goes to bat for another. Oh, by the way, Jamal and Ryan, then will be working for this person. So, like, just there's some weirdness to the whole thing.
1: Here's another question. How long are these initial Zoom calls? Do you have any idea?
0: Multiple hours. I can't tell you if it's three, three and a half, four, but
1: we're talking over two hours. So and that's OK. That's that's longer than like a 60 minute zoom. But I want just think about. Yes, home. they
0: have the upgraded zoom, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> oh, so they it doesn't, pay it doesn't extra cut money. off or after 45 minutes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go. no, it's it's a, we got we two minutes go.
1: left. Oh, let me talk about the West Coast offense. You know
3: what? Have a great day. It's expiring. Bye. 30
1: seconds left. What would you do with Kirk Cousins? Oh, my God. Um, but but here's the thing, like you're you're going through this process and and you have one call and let's say it's three hours, which is better than one hour. But you, you, know, you got one call with eight different GM candidates and then you're going to whittle down to like a list of three finalists that you're maybe going to meet in person with. And so, you know, you're spending maybe a half day total or like a day with the person that's going to determine the fate of your multibillion dollar franchise. Like it's an amazing crapshoot. And then you're also trying to figure out all the variables involved, right? Like, okay, how well? With, what, what is their draft strategy? What is their personnel and off season and cap strategy? And okay, how do they team build and culture build? And can you really pinpoint and figure all of that out in even like a day and a half? If you if you're lucky enough to spend that much time, I mean, it is an amazing crapshoot. This whole process, not just for the Vikings, but for every single team that does this every year.
3: And that, that's why I think the smaller the group, the better. Because the more people there, the more opinions differ and change. And and this comes down to, I, I think, one very important thing. And we have talked about this for a, probably a month plus, you guys. This comes down to when the room is that big, the Wilfs don't trust themselves. And so, like, they're looking for, what'd you think? No, what did you think? What did you? And and like I would love to to know if I was the wolves, I would have privately gone to, well, I don't know, not Glenn, but somebody involved with the wolves, and I would have said, "Who did Gerson really fool?" Because if he fooled a business ops guy, that that to me, that's my fear. The business ops sounds guy, like he
0: fooled everybody. Well, yeah, I mean fear. it was. Yeah, I mean Ethan on no, down. It was. It, was, it was We all love Ethan Casson, but yeah, Ethan Casson got fooled. But
3: I'd love to know. I'd love to know if somebody pushed internally and said, oh, this has to be our guy. I
1: mean, in that specific case, everybody pushed for Gerson. But I I understand your point.
3: Right. But my point is I want to vet a system because I just think having this many chefs in the kitchen trying to cook up, this is the person. No, this is the person. No, this is the person is a recipe for for basically inclusion can be good, but Complete inclusion basically gets to to be, well, who did we like the best? Let's just pick that. I think there should be some decisiveness. here. So where would you
0: cut it off? Like, are you suggesting, okay, so Ziggy and Mark, yes, on these Zooms,
3: and just
0: Rob Brzezinski?
3: No, no, you know what? Um, Anne is is Rob's right-hand person. And what I'm told is very, very smart Mm -hmm. and has been er – And, again, has been around the Is she still
0: Rob's right-hand person? She was, for sure. She still was. But I'm saying I have no problem with that. Yeah, she's sharp. Yeah, that's what I've heard, at least. Yeah,
3: Stevenson and Munnins, I think, are really good football people. Mm -hmm. They scare me a little bit because of what you said, which is um, I'm sure they have some existing relationships and agendas. But when you start including business people in sports decisions of, like, football ops, basketball ops, I get scared because I've seen it before and and I think it ang- sounds
1: like your your angst is less about having multiple people and it's more about one specific person. You keep bringing up well, Andrew Miller but, but as the, a person, but, I,
3: but I'm saying anybody from the outside world who's come in here and tried and for all we know, this room could, could be expanded beyond the names that Dubes gave. Those are the people that concern me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've so checked. I, I mean, maybe there's one or two additional names. Maybe one of the younger Wilfs. Well, I mean. It's about those names. Like, I don't think it's like eight one. more names.
3: Does, does Lester Bagley belong in that room? And I like the guy a lot. Yeah, so I mean, like, he's is, got is, the ear of the is, Wilfs. Is, is he in the room? I don't know, but my point is. Well, he may be. Yeah, no. I don't know. But the answer is no. Okay, look. Let's get,
1: now, get back right? to candidates here, because I think I mean I don't honestly like I think we've like we get Judd's opinion. I think we've exhausted this. What what else are you guys hearing about the actual candidates themselves? Has anyone done well? Is there anyone that looks like they're headed to a different organization just from a GM? perspective. Well, yeah, but Phil, like, how about.
0: do you define did well, especially over Zoom? Like, I just I read verbatim one of the candidates that Mill- has interviewed. I want to know if, it, feels if, if like Andrew it Miller well. thinks you did but what well. he did well. What exactly does that mean? I I think there's you know there's some subjectivity to to yeah. that. John and I hear, Phil, that that they're going to whittle down this list in the next, you know, 48 hours or so, then bring two or three candidates to town. I will continue to say I will be very very surprised if the GM and the head coach are both Caucasian. I will well, be very very surprised. Very very.
3: And the the problem with Now one? A yeah.
0: Person... Okay, I can see that, but not both.
3: The problem too with did a person do well on Zoom is I've heard about three people did great. I'm yet to hear this person stunk. I don't think yeah, but they, so like teams, you're not gonna, teams don't leak that to so yeah. no. But my point, but my point is like okay, so we get who did well, but like who
1: didn't who who want to know who, now you want to know who bombed their interview. I, I want
3: to know well yes because that means that they're out. So like I would like to know like did well is just to me. It doesn't say much. It's just like okay. Well, they get right, they
1: get to advance to the in person stage over the weekend. But it's what about
3: three? I think
1: okay. What about head coaches here? So we've uh, Doogie. We had a big conversation yesterday about Raheem Morris, and I think just you know gathering a lot of there's the initial perception from a lot of people. Oh, he kind of train wrecked as a head coach twelve years ago. Did he? in Tampa? But but a few a few with well, that roster so won, winning they, ten games exactly. They won ten games the second season. That was a three-year period that the Glazer family was stripping down payroll. They literally spent like $60 million less than the top teams in the league a couple of those seasons. They were, they were operating at the floor of the salary cap. And also, Raheem Morris has had 10-plus years to learn, to adapt. Jalen Ramsey was on Twitter a couple days ago saying, this is the best coach I've ever played for. Um, he was, he's a defensive guy that spent five years as the pass game coordinator for a Falcons team. It went to the Super Bowl, Um, and so he came on late. He's the eighth name on a list here for the Vikings, but we we, we dove deep, and we're all sort of intrigued by him. What are you hearing about him, other head coaching candidates? What else can you tell us?
0: He's super intriguing, right? He checked so many boxes. How about his time in Washington on a staff with Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt Matt LaFleur? LaFleur. Like being in the same room for many, many meetings with LaFleur. Shanahan McVay now working with and for McVay a very high-end defense but with that experience on the offensive side of the ball we've seen many I guess Bill Belichick would be the ultimate example right of you learn so much from that first time being a head coach you can sell me on this team needs somebody who's done it before that there are so many question marks you just don't know if you're getting the next LaFleur or McVeigh. Or are you getting the next Matt Nagy? Or you name another coordinator uh, that has gone belly up. You just don't know because they've never done it. Just like these GM candidates. We just we don't know. It is a crapshoot because they've never done it. It's an enormous step up. So you absolutely can sell me on Raheem Morris. It's interesting how his name emerged after that great performance by the Rams on Monday. Then it was Tuesday at about 1130 a.m. Right as Jed and I were wrapping up. conversation that Peter Schreger of, of NFL Network threw his name out there. He interviews tomorrow, but at this point, yeah, I think he's a very viable candidate. I'm very impressed with his background. I said on TV, Phil, on Sunday that Kellen Moore is very intriguing, that I've heard a lot of good things about him. I know you're not on that bandwagon after that performance on Sunday, but I just don't want to put a ton of emphasis on one particular game. And I do like the idea That he's called plays before. Kevin O'Connell hasn't called plays. But then the comeback to that, Phil, is guess what? Frank Reich, who I like a lot in Indianapolis. Maybe it's because of hard knocks, whatever. But I really like Frank Reich. He didn't call plays before elevating the head coach in Indianapolis. Doug Peterson, before elevating the head coach in Philadelphia, did not call plays. So like anything I throw out, you can throw an example right back in my face, right? Who cares if Kevin O'Connell hasn't called plays, if he blows you away, if there's enough there to like, you vet him enough, hey, hire Kevin O'Connell as this next, uh, you know, head coach of the Vikings. But I'm just telling you, I like the idea of somebody who has called plays or somebody that has done it before like a Raheem Morris.
3: And that intrigues me because the one thing is, aside from McVay probably, when we talk about th- these guys that c- come in and have success, a lot of them have quarterbacks who are really good, if not great. LaFleur does, for sure. And so and he might be a great coach. We just don't know. But he has taken Green Bay. I think it's safe to him. say, yes, Judd, he has taken the
0: Packers job. to another level, right?
3: But, have they gone 13
0: your, wins the last three years, something they had hadn't done great. previously?
3: But, Duke, your point about Morris, I think, is a great one, which, which is he has previous experience. He's still young. Um, he clearly is, is very involved and has been on both sides of the ball. Like that, that intrigues me because there's a certain credibility that he would bring from day one, where I don't think there would be the questions there of, okay, this guy was uh, great with, you know, with McVeigh as his OC, but he really didn't call plays. And we don't know. I'm not saying that Raheem Morris would be a slam dunk, but I am saying he would bring, I think a certain cachet to that job. That intrigues me. And I like the fact he's young, can relate to players. And the last thing, guys, from my perspective, is if Mike Tomlin gives you a ringing endorsement and he does not have to, I really like that. Mike Tomlin's a good coach. Mike Tomlin reads people really well. I, I mean, he's full of BS and cliches, but there are certain things in Raheem's background that I think would be valuable from the first day of training camp that would be question marks to Doogie's point with candidates who don't have previous head coaching experience.
0: Have either of you done background work on the AGM candidates to the point of who's got a direct connection to Raheem Morris?
1: Um, what do you mean? Like like the other candidates? or what, what Well, do you mean? I
0: mean, let's just go with the hypothetical. That Mensa of the Browns lands oh, the GM job. Does he have a connection, some sort of direct connection? Now, a lot of these guys have indirect connections. Right. Maybe it's just, you know, as simple as, you know, having the same agent, something like that, that you know, they run sort of in the same circle. But I'm wondering if there are any direct connections, the eight GM candidates to Raheem Morris. Boy. Yeah, I need to I, do I, some I research Spitek, on that.
1: SpyTech came along in Tampa after Raheem yeah, Morris. Yeah, because he was in
0: Denver, of, I
1: believe he might have been in Philadelphia as well. Yeah, and I don't I'd have to go and cross reference the the Philadelphia candidates. I don't I don't believe off the top of my head that the GM list intersects with the resume of Raheem, but I could be wrong. We should do some digging on that.
0: Because I do think – it's a reminder. I do think the GM is going to have some sort of influence. I'm trying to quantify, trying to find out exactly what that influence will be, but the new GM is going to have some sort of influence on the choosing of the new head coach. Yeah.
1: They should. They definitely should. I hope they do. It's a weird – yeah, it's kind of a weird – Well, they will, but (laughs) –
0: They're doing all these interviews right now, right, without
1: a GM in place. And I get it. Like what I told Judd Doogie was, you can't, you know, a lot of people are like, well, why don't you hire a GM, then start your coaching series? You can't let these hot coaching candidates just sit there for two and a half weeks and not reach out in some way and start the process and say, hey, I know you're interviewing with these other three teams right now, but we love you. We're interested. We want to have a conversation. So you have to get the process started. You just wonder. Why didn't they make the move on Spielman earlier so you could start the GM search earlier and, you know, maybe at some point we'll get more of a feel for. Well, that goes back to Black
0: Monday, Monday the 10th, where Rick Spielman walks into the room at 730 over in Egan thinking he's being told by the Wilfs that they want to fire Mike Zimmer, that he didn't think he was going to get fired. was
1: like a start to a joke. Hey, we're going to fire now. or are we going to make him sweat for an hour? Actually, Rick, why don't you sit down? But you grab a box. So
0: there's still some fascinating background on how all that unfolded that I'm still unearthing. Yeah. Um,
1: Anything else from either one of you guys, just quick, on the Vikings GM and coach process before we jump into some some other scoops here?
3: Duke's best best guess that we have a GM, I'm guessing, by next uh, Tuesday, Wednesday at the latest. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think sometime in the next six to seven days, certainly by the time we talk next Thursday, or at least I would bet, by the time we talk next Thursday, at least some news of of a hire being leaked. Maybe there isn't an official you know in person news conference or zoom sure. news conference by next thursday the twenty seventh But yes, I think this thing is about to ramp up big time after these two interviews today, Cook and Wolf. They'll then whittle down the list as late as tonight tomorrow morning, make some phone calls, get some individuals to town in the next you know forty eight to seventy two hours. So once you bring these people to town, you may end up keeping one of them in town for a press conference as soon as early next week.
1: Interesting. Love it. Love it. All right. So let's let's do some Timberwolves here for a minute. Last night, yeah, I mean, Ant Edwards might have set a record for uh, length of time between his back-to-back technicals. You had, you had some very sensitive referees last night. It was a horribly officiated game, but I don't think – You're going to have horribly officiated games. I don't think that's a license for you to just implode and get outscored by 25 points in a quarter and disappear in the second half. Like, I get that Cat doesn't get calls that other stars do and Ant doesn't, and that's frustrating, but I think some of that is a self-fulfilling prophecy with how much those guys complain. I guess what I'm saying, Doogie, is I don't love how the Wolves still sometimes, not as often as before, do this with officials where they just it just it's a snowball rolling down the hill and they're unable to to disengage and just go and
0: play the game. What a weird game last night, right? I mean, that game last night had schedule loss written all over it, right? That Atlanta plays in Atlanta on Monday, doesn't play Tuesday, then plays at home on Wednesday. The Wolves play in New York on that stage, the biggest stage possible. You know, the way they won on Tuesday night, get into Atlanta, three in the morning. Like, they had schedule loss written all over it. Then the Wolves, after the first quarter, they own the first quarter. Like, nobody can beat the Wolves in the first quarter. (laughs) They end up winning the first quarter by, what, 16 points. They are up 42 to 26. Then it snowballed after that. The snowball began really in the second quarter where it turned into a lot of hero ball. Trey Young made some ridiculous shots. But, yeah, on the officiating, hey, the Wolves caught some breaks. If you read the last two-minute report, which a lot of people scoff at, right, because it's not like we get the first 46-minutes report. We only get the final two-minute report when it's a close game, but Tuesday night at the Garden, the Wolves benefited greatly. The cat and one, the definitive basket of the game. The league said he pushed off. He made contact with Julius Randle. That should have been an offensive foul on Carl Anthony Towns. Wipe away the two, wipe away the free throw. There was a ball that went off R.J. Barrett's arm. It was Wolves ball, but D'Angelo Russell made contact with Barrett, but the official did not call the foul on Russell. They said ball off Barrett, Wolves ball. There was one other play that went in the Wolves' favor in the final two minutes Tuesday night. So the officials favored the Wolves on Tuesday. Did they favor the Wolves last night in Atlanta? No, the officiating's been a train wreck for a while, Phil. I was at Sunday's game against the Warriors. I thought there were some issues On Sunday, there's been a lot of issues. There's been some G League officials called up because of COVID. Officiating is at an all time low, at least in my opinion, or at least going back many, many years. I can't remember officiating being this bad. But like Ant, like he absolutely deserved one technical for those antics. But like to tee him up back to back, like there's a bunch of people paying a a lot of money in his hometown. Like that didn't make sense. But hey, Jimmy Butler got tossed last night for the Heat. Comparable situation. Like the ref went boom, boom, Jimmy, you're gone. I'm watching Nuggets Clippers last night. Nikola Jokic could have been same situation, boom, boom. But that ref just happened to give Nikola one T, not two. But typically, like you don't get two technicals. And at that point, it was a two-point game. Yeah, the Wolves were self-destructing long before that time. But when Ant got kicked out, the game was still very much up in the air. It was a two-point game. Then Carl Anthony Towns, like, what are you doing? You already have, like, I have a hard time believing. It's not like I correspond with many officials, but, like, let's call a spade a spade. Let's be frank. Carl Anthony Towns has a horrible reputation with officials. Yes. And so that's just, it's going to continue. Are there times where he gets hacked, where he doesn't get calls? 100%. But, like, he's got to control himself. He does. We're seven years into this thing with Cat. Like, stop it. Like... You're not fouled on every single possession. And by the way, on the Ant play, like, if you're going to call a foul on that Hawks defender for that, you're going to be calling fouls almost every possession. Yeah, was there minimal contact? Yes, but, like, I went back. I was in the in the TV newsroom last night. I went back Zapruder film-like and went kind of frame by frame. It was such minimal contact. Like, that was an okay no call. You know, so, like, Ant's got to control himself. Like, you're not going to get every call, but this ant drive to the hoop. I want him to drive to the hoop more cut to the hoop more, but when he drives to the hoop, are there times where he's not getting the whistle? Yes, absolutely. But the wolves have to control themselves more.
3: It's really late, but how does the cat thing, what should the steps be in trying to fix this? Because I, I read now where the Wolves have actually gone to the league and, like, actively complained about how Cat is treated, which I got to think is another strike against Cat. They've opinion. done that
0: for a while. I mean, they did it under deal Ryan. With it. That's I not new like under that. Finch. But Just the, deal with look, it.
3: Here's what I don't like. I think Cat, especially once Pat Bev got hurt and was declared out for the rest of that game, I think Cat's actions are seen by a guy like Ant and it makes it worse because then Ant's like, yeah, I'm getting screwed, too. We're all getting screwed. And so I just wonder if there's a way to sort of not fix this so that he gets calls. I don't even care about that. But like Phil said, to deal with it or to have it be because, because when Pat Bev does not play, I think more guys look to Cat. And then when guys look to Cat and Cat's like, it's constant, too. The waving of the arms, the, you know, what? I can't believe I didn't get that. The standing below the basket as the as the um, transitions in process for the opponent because he can't believe that he didn't yeah. get a call. Like, how do we get to a point where that gets fixed? Because I really think that that is a problem here. Well, like, let me let me throw something
1: into immaturity. here, too. So that end of the third quarter sequence where Cat gets teed up and then they go back and review it and they call him for a flagrant and they wipe the basket off the board, he 100% kicked his leg up on purpose now whether you could he's saying it was a dirk Nowitzki move like dirk's done that for you know dirk did it for 20 years you're do, you're doing it to create space not there. i on it like i watch that play and i love the timberwolves i love cat but like he whether it's him over exaggerating contact like there's times where he'll, like three four times a game where you know, Jalen Noel or D'Angelo Russell will throw a bounce pass into the post, and the defender will will come in and like, all right, I'm gonna put my forearm into your back. Cat is seven feet tall, 240 pounds or whatever he is, and he acts like he's you know 50 pounds lighter when he get like he over exaggerates contact all the time. Yeah. and officials see that, and then on the offensive side, it's like when he kicks his leg out, it's like, dude, you like you know what you're doing, you know what you're doing. You're kicking your leg out on purpose, whether it's again to create some space. Okay. But just know that when you kick your leg out like that in that area for the defender, by the way, kicked him right in the, right in the grapefruits. And then you, and then you complain and throw your arms up like, "Whoa, what am I supposed to do? It's like, dude, stay in a zone and just play the game. It That's was a solution very
0: dirty play. You're right, Phil. Very dirty play. I'll tell you this much though. I don't think they do anything if he doesn't taunt. So not only, and did Dirk do something like that on occasion? Sure. Like, to that extreme, though, no. Cat took it a step further than pretty much Dirk, you know, 99.9% of the time ever did. But, like, why are you then taunting? Why are you then, as the defender is on the ground, stepping over him, looking down at him, taunting? Like, if that T isn't called there, the review may never have even taken place. Like, he may have actually gotten away with the kick, if not for the taunting. That resulted in the T. And, like, I don't know if it's going to change. Like, we're sitting here saying he has to control himself, this, that. Like, this is who he he is. is. Seven years in, like, is he really going to change dramatically, drastically in the next handful of years? Hard for me to see that.
1: And that's why you got to have the Beverly's. And, like, when Beverly's gone, it's – and Pat Bev's over there. You know, he limps across the – you know, half court line during that that timeout where they were reviewing, and he gets he goes. I'm surprised he didn't get teed up, and he goes into the official's ear and starts like yelling something.
3: Well, his yeah, ear. I mean, he's been
0: teed up before from the bench, so <laughs> that wouldn't be a new phenomenon. I think he tries to calm yeah. things though. He, he yeah, tries
3: no. to. Oh, I love him. I them. think he he actually tries to tone things down because he knows that Cats killing his team. Yeah, yeah. No, D'Lo I, said the I, same I,
1: thing after the game. D'Lo said, you know, we love Cats' passion, but like at some point, you gotta you gotta you gotta yeah. draw a line and know that it's affecting the team negatively.
0: I love Bev, but last night is the conundrum the Wolves face when deciding what to do when it comes to his future. Unrestricted free agent this summer. There certainly is mutual interest in retaining him. You know, Bev, his camp has driven the bus more so on extension talks. A reminder, the Wolves, if they wanted to, they could extend Patrick Beverly today. The rules would allow them to extend Patrick Beverly today. They don't have to wait until the offseason. But, like... How do you work that contract? By the way, on the ankle, like it's another short term situation. This is not a long term injury, but like, you know, does he play Sunday? Probably. Like he should be okay for Sunday's game against the Nets, but like that's where he's at in his 30s now. You just don't know. There are, there are medical questions there, like durability, uh, legit, leg- durability questions. And so that's why to me, I'll continue to say it's hard for me to fully guarantee a contract for Beverly two years out for the 22-23 season, absolutely, somewhere in the neighborhood of 8-9 10 million, mid-level exception kind of that neighborhood. But like that 23-24 contract, that would have to be if I'm Sachin Gupta, a partial guarantee. I cannot fully guarantee 23-24. Now, if he avoids catastrophic injury, you know, or you know, some sort of sizable injury in all likelihood, he would earn that full guarantee for twenty three, twenty four. but I just couldn't, on the surface, guarantee him a contract for twenty three, twenty
1: right, before we uh, say goodbye here to Birthday Boy and Scoop Boy Dugues, I'm going to bring this episode full circle, and I will give you a rapid-fire scoop. Ron Gardenhire, Dan Gladden, and Cesar Tovar elected to the Minnesota Twins Hall of Fame.
0: Tovar got our wow. vote. The one guy I feel bad for, I think he's undervalued, is Corey Koski. Koski will always have my vote, so I feel bad for Corey Koski. But, yeah, Tovar should have been in a long time ago. And, yeah, Gardy, I have no problem with that either.
1: Yeah, yeah, Gardy, you know, some division championships and longtime coach. I think longevity, longevity gets you. Battled his tail mm-hmm. off to get there, too. That's what he I did. Like. <laughs> Yeah. He battled <laughs> his tail off.
3: And
0: being just a good dude counts. Like, Gardy's one and of Royce my guys.
3: Very pleased now yeah tovar is in patrick royce is very yeah,
1: happy that's a, that's a throwback man cesar tovar was cesar tovar did he once play all nine positions in one game he did yes.
0: yeah. late 60s How about that yeah yes he did
1: all right there it is reckless speculation thursday here with doogie reckless speculation. good stuff man all right we'll talk to you next Happy week. birthday dudes. Dukes.
0: thank you gentlemen that much closer to senior citizen discounts go for ruckers 42 gophers ruckers saturday that's as of one. now It's still on, but with COVID cases over there with the men's basketball program, that's a fluid situation. I was told one of the new cases is one of their starters, one of their key players, is a a new positive. Sean Sutherland also is one of the positives, but that goes back to before the cancellation of or the postponement of of the Penn State game last night. Then the other thing I wrote down, cool that Sylvia Fowles is back with the Lynx. Angel McCautry, free agent, she was featured on the big board during Sunday's game in town hanging with Nafisa Collier. So, you know, a lot of light bulbs went off. You know, one of the all-time great female players, right? Multi-time Olympian, multi-time all-star. Yeah, she's in her mid-30s, but Angel McCautry, like superstar, one of the great all-time players. If she's in town, like wouldn't she meet with Cheryl Reeve? So I'm working on that. I can tell you Cheryl has had interest in McCautry previously. What I need to find out is I figure that the Fowles contract is a one-year contract. That's going to eat up. A good portion of the salary cap, so I just don't know if they'll have enough room, wiggle room to sign Angel McCuttry. So there's some cap gymnastics that would have to take place. But I can tell you, at least in the past, Cheryl Reeve has had interest in Angel McCuttry. Nice.
1: Also, just great to see Doogie back on his feet 13 years after, uh, couple after 13, a couple 13, 14 past. <laughs>
0: <after>, yeah. <laughs> All right, bye, Doogie. 42. All right. see you, bye, boys. Darren. Yep, absolutely. Right, that's yeah. uh,
1: Darren Doogie Wolfson here. All right, boys. So, reckless speculation Thursday. Let's let's keep this this train rolling. We'll get to some old tweets exposed. But back to the Vikings' GM search specifically, and head coach to some extent, because I think they're going to have a say in this. But um, the biggest conundrum, aside from culture, because we hear a lot of a lot of players speaking out about the the fear based culture. I mean, that's a whole animal in itself to just sort of rebuild a more player-friendly culture, but from a strategic standpoint, the biggest challenge facing a new general manager is roster construction. The Vikings, as of right now, going into the league year, which, which will open up in less than two months, have the fourth-worst cap situation. Actually, I believe it's now the third-worst. There's been some recalculations here on spotrack.com. The only teams that are in deeper cap hell, then the vikings are the saints who are 61 million dollars over the cap going into next year it's remarkable are they still like are they still paying Drew Brees or something like what where's all that money going they might be paying the piper for that contract for all i know yeah there might be some void years or something yeah. um the packers are 37 million dollars over the cap now they would tell you worth it you know 13 wins in three straight seasons and you know prime to make another deep playoff run and then the vikings are according to spotrack.com $12.1 million over the salary cap. So you got you to gotta find 12 somewhere just to get under the cap. But then you also need like somewhere between 6 and $10 million for your draft picks, depending on, you know, I, I haven't looked at all those financials, but let's say 6 to $10 million. So just to clear room for your draft picks, you need to shave $20 million off of your current cap situation. And then if you want to actually improve the team, right, you got to go find another edge rusher, maybe another cornerback or offensive lineman. You probably need a center, probably need a a right guard, right? Like you're probably looking at minimum another 15 to 20 million dollars, even though there's a bunch of teams in the league right now with like the Chargers and the Dolphins and the Jaguars all have over 70 million dollars in cap space before they make cuts. Right. And restructures. Yep, you know, over half the league has thirty plus million dollars in cap space before they restructure anyone's contracts. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be a player at all, you probably need to shave forty plus million dollars off your current cap situation. Mm-hmm. Have fun, new general manager. Where would you start? Well, I'd
3: like to subtract Kirk because I I feel like it, it always comes back to Kirk. And clearly, if you start with Kirk, you um. You at that point in time, free up a lot of space. So I'd like to start without. Kirk. I'd like to start with Kirk staying, and and let's just say that. Kirk oh, you. Staying... Oh,
1: you. You said subtract Kirk. No, you I mean
3: I, I'd like to subtract Kirk from the conversation. Oh, I would oh, like to say oh, let's say because we we've whoa. gone down this the Kirk the Kirk whoa. solution is really simple. Reckless. I mean, if Kirk's Reckless. gone, you're freeing up space. But here's what I would like to do. I would like to um, take Kirk and put him in a different bin, the he's staying bin, and I would like it to be on the he's staying bin with that cap hit bin, because because let's just say that that the new GM calls around and everyone's like, I'll give you a fifth round pick, I'll give you a sixth round pick, and the so guy's if like, you can't
1: if you can't get anything meaningful, or... Kirk,
3: but you're not going to extend Kirk. So so for the Kirk stance, let's just say he stays with that cap hit, and now let's pretend. That new GM saying, "Well, I think that we can still win here," says, "But what I really have to do is find a right guard in free agency, then, because I got to protect Kirk. I got to find a center, maybe, not maybe, probably for sure. No, you need a center, okay? <laughs> yeah. So, it, so now, funny. now we aren't talking about draft picks. We're talking about protecting Kirk with with got with guys with experience, yeah, who are going to be paid. So now, this is a fun game because now you got to pay the piper somewhere." And I enjoy this because, you know, this gets difficult now because now we're talking about names that are good players, familiar names, but Kirk staying is going to cost them
1: their jobs. But here's the thing. If you want to be competitive, and this is where the, you know, the Wilf math might not add up because they want to be competitive in 2022. But if you're going to, if you're saying we're not going to extend Kirk, we're just not, we're, we're done kicking the can down the road. Yep. Let's let's play this last year out. And then, you know, obviously, if we all agree that we want you back in 2023, cool, like we can, we can have that discussion when you're a free agent. But what you're about to do here is cut elsewhere on the roster. Like you're mm-hmm. going to leave Kirk's $45 million cap hit, and you have to find, I'm going to say $40 million. I think if you want to be competitive, you have to find $40 million. I love where you're going. Not only to fix the flaws that currently exist, Yep, But then you have to fix the holes that are left by the players that you're cutting. Yep. Which so mean, yes. And, that's, and, and all of this, and I'll shut up and let you do your, your hatching no, no, job. Oh, no, I'm here, but enjoying
3: like, this because it's a really good <laughs> path to go down. It's but reckless is... <laughs> but possible.
1: Reckless but possible. Oh, yeah, keep, pa- a, keep painting the picture, man. The, the Mackie and Judd uh, mission statement, reckless but possible. Um, the, All of this is why I want... 2023 to be the real target year like if hey listen if we can do a little bit of a you know a smoke and mirrors job and sneak into that seven seed in 2022 like the Eagles did cool awesome and then we can you know like the Eagles got to have their cake and eat it too right they got draft pick compensation for Wentz they they hired a new coach they got into a sort of a reset mode they got to look at Jalen Hurts for a year and maybe they learn that he's not the guy, but all while they were learning about their team and going through this transition period with a new coach, they made the playoffs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They made the freaking playoffs. So I I guess what I'm saying here is there's almost no way, unless you trade Kirk and get lucky at quarterback somehow, that you're going to be a Super Bowl contender in 2022 with your current cap situation relative to the rest of the league. But I'm curious to see what moves GM Jed would make here. Well, and one, I completely...
3: Agree, but I feel like we've played out what we would do before, which is why it becomes fun, because we do get on Twitter the pushback of, well, I mean, the well said they're going to be, I believe the words were, super competitive. Mm -hmm. So it's fun to me to now take Kirk out of the equation and who do I cut, because I'm going to have to cut players that are popular and still probably successful. Um, The obvious one, I'll just start there, Michael Pierce. Depending on when I cut him, because there is a difference between cutting a guy in March and and putting a post June first designation on a roster move. But depending on when I cut Pierce, I am going to save between six point five and eight point five million dollars.
1: Okay. So he's let's gone. Call, let's sure. call it six point five here for the sake. Or should so we call it seven? Let's call it seven. He's gone for sure. Okay. All right. So mission mission forty we've got to clear forty million here. Mission for, yep. To, 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 and so, to, and to you're get the under the cap guy. to draft players. I'm Brzezinski, and you're the math I, I'm guy. I
3: suck at math, and it's not my
1: fault. So we're trying to go from twelve over Half to even, through. but then we got to yep. save, let's say, you know, eight to ten for draft eight for draft picks, and then another you know twenty some for for free agents that we want. So to get a okay. new center and stuff. All right. Okay. Okay. I'm going to save
3: a big chunk of change, and I don't even like this move. But this guy's been hurt for two years, and and I have to make a decision on him. Daniil Hunter. Oh, my gosh. He is due an $18 million roster bonus in March. If he's So you can, tra-
1: save, you can save 18 then. If he's the
3: traded cap. or released with the post-June 1 designation, I can save
1: $20 million in cap space. Okay. That's a huge chunk of change. right? It there. is, but now you have I know. a Hall of Fame-sized hey, hole on we're your keep, I'm keep, line. But, but I was told to keep
3: Kirk. The stands got to me. They broke into my office.
1: The Crusaders. The
3: Crusaders are in my office.
1: They climbed up the steps to they your breached, home.
3: They have breached
1: my office. Okay. It's happening.
3: I, I want to go to the bunker at
1: TCO, but I can't get there. You can't. So, and you know, no, we're keeping Kirk, and you got to find nine other players to get rid yes, of. And then yes. we get to complain about how the roster construction Security is. Security has
3: left the building. <laughs> I'm all alone here. I mean, it's March sixth, and I'm in trouble. Okay.
1: Oh um, man, this is not helping Kirk. You know, this is not helping him in terms of building a, a qualified well, infrastructure hold on, around hold on a
3: him. Though. But it sort of is in Kirk's mind because Kirk is thinking, you make, you get guys that are effective defensively. What I want offense. So so like. I know what you're saying, Phil, but I actually think in Kirk's mind, Kirk's like, "This is great because you'll you'll make it work on defense, right?" Also,
1: I mean, like the money that you chopped, you chopped money out. You're, you've chopped twenty seven million dollars out the defense, and like, it's not like the defense can get a lot worse than it was the last two years. So you know, you're not you're not running the risk of like a th- the third best defense going down to twenty seventh. Like that already happened two years well, ago. Yeah, so. and
3: and if you so. If they were also have some Spielman picks who Mike didn't play, who might be good, we don't know, because mm-hmm. Mike, Mike wouldn't play some of them, That uh, they could step in here yeah, pretty Cam, Like Cam Bynum is one of their best yeah. players in limited But so I much. mean, like, like, what if, and I have no clue here, okay? But like, let's just say that Chaz Surratt
1: is decent. Yeah, we have no idea.
3: But we just don't know. He was held hostage. Yeah. He was in the basement. Yeah. So we have no clue. Eric Kendricks post june 1st departure for him would save you 9.5 million bucks.
1: Okay, but here's the problem, okay? Mm-hmm. You're doing you're doing post june 1st for all I'm, these guys? I'm, yes, I'm dating it post june 1st. That doesn't help you in free agency in March. Right? I mean, you can't you can't designate a post june 1st. Hey guys, uh so we're going to yeah. release Eric yeah, Hendricks Kirk, in 3 months. Which is
3: why Kirk probably has to go, but I'm just having fun here. <laughs> I am under <laughs> I'm being threatened. Why are you stopping me? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's a problem.
1: Um, I think, I think there's some of these that we'd have to look that you could, you could release them before the league year or like right around the league year and maybe not save as much, but save some too. You could, you so could you save could some free agents.
3: Yes. Um, the problem is this. So, so the two guys that you don't want to let go, but you actually could are a bigger problem. If you don't get the uh, post June one designation on them, Harrison Smith, Would actually take a you would have more in dead cap space on him than you would save against the cap if you if you released him in March or traded him. It's so he is a $7.7 million hit in March and you
1: save 5.8. You know, on Daniil Hunter, real quick, I would I do not want to cut bait on him. He's so good. I know he's had two injuries. I would what I would look to do is listen, man. So so his cap hit right now because that roster bonus is is like twenty six million dollars. Yeah. His cap hit's higher than some current franchise quarterbacks. Yep. And I would say, listen, you know, last year was supposed to be kind of a prove it contract year. You got hosed because you got hurt. Let's do let's run it back. Let's let's lower the cap hit. Push some money into a roster bonus in two thousand twenty three yep. as sort of a checkpoint again. And yep. then, so we'll we'll make sure that you get something in 2022. But let's lower that cap hit from like you know 26 million down to 16 or 17 or something, so yep. we can have 10 million to play with. Like and I would I, probably I, approach it that way.
3: And I think at least the three guys that you're going to have to get their cap hits down are Hunter, Harrison, Smith, Thielen. Yeah, Thielen's got to bring down paid 17 million. You have right to. Now.
1: Yeah. So you're, it's amazing. A new GM's going to walk in here and say, "All right, let's uh let's open up the books here real quick. Okay, let's just look at the highest paid players relative to the cap and see where we're at." Ooh, okay. Kirk Cousins, uh that's well, like the third biggest cap hit in NFL history. Uh he's a 34-year-old uh you know, slightly above average starting quarterback. Ooh, Hunter Hunter's number 2 on here and he has had two season-ending injuries the last 7 year. games in 2 years. Adam Thielen, Eric Kendricks, and Harrison Smith are next. All of them are over the age of 30, and uh, two of them are uh, two of them are over the age of 32, I believe. Right. And then sixth on the list is a running back. <laughs> so, right. like, a new GM is going to come in and be like, ooh. Well, and Cook man. is, and
3: I don't want to get rid of Cook, but you've got to look long and hard at that contract. All of this is me trying to, in an obnoxious way as possible, say that Kirk, like, I don't know how you keep Kirk.
0: You like that?
3: I just don't know. And I don't think a new GM and coach are going to extend him. Yeah. So, so, because I've seen this now. Well, just play Kirk out. I mean, he's got that year left. But in trying to do that, I just painted a scenario that
1: is a huge problem. And there are no – it's not like there's 10 contracts to tap into here. Correct. If you don't tap into his contract, then you have to tap into Vikings Ring of Honor players. Correct. Like Kendricks, Thielen, and even that, there's not enough money in those. Like So you just laid out Hunter, Pierce, Kendricks, if you take advantage of a post-June 1st designation, which doesn't help you in this March's free agency period. Yes. So, you know – I and we can do we can do the rest of this on a different episode because I think there's another scenario where all right. Let's all just swallow hard the, here. Fold the franchise. Tra- yeah, fold the franchise. We're, Move we're the not, franchise to we're Montreal. Done. We're just done. <laughs> where okay, I know this is going to be hard to hear for the Cousins Crusaders, but let's say goodbye and let's say it's a, you get a second or third round pick back for him or something, right? I actually think there's a chance you could get a first round pick for him because there's going to be enough teams that are looking to I agree. The Colts are going to look desperately to upgrade their quarterback situation. Pittsburgh. The Broncos, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's teams out there, the Saints. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's say it's even like a second or third round pick. and you, So you save $35 million to the cap, and you tap some of these other contracts a little bit here and there. Would you rather have a world where, whether it's a one-year deal or a smoothed out extension, but he's still taking up a huge percentage of your salary cap, or would you rather hit the reset button on that position? Save $35 million in cap space, and maybe we can get, you know, by tapping some of these other contracts, I think there's a way to get $40 million under the salary cap, maybe more, if you say goodbye to Kirk.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you go into bridge mode. Maybe not Maybe not bridge water mode, because I know that's going to be a hot budget. Be
3: careful what you say, because that'll surface on Twitter in a half hour.
1: But you go bridge mode with a Mariota or somebody, you know, yes. a guy that's not going to be a franchise starter, but it's Mond, Mariota, maybe you draft somebody. So you get worse at that position, but you get 40 or $50 million to spend in free agency. Yes. And you get some draft pick compensation in your trade of Kirk. Can your team be better than seven or eight wins in 2022 and better equipped 2023 to really take a step forward? That's that is the path that I am the most interested in.
3: Oh, and it's a 1000% correct path. I'm with you. I'm just saying if you if you come up with the solution being well we'll we'll keep Kirk on that contract. You have painted yourself into such a corner and and I also urge though for your point about the fact that um Philly made the playoffs. I also urge people to keep in mind did they really like, did they? Like, do do you want that? None like, of
1: I'm done with your seven seed. Yeah, anti that seven want? seed propaganda. I'm trying okay? to
3: help you out for 22, though. I'm saying I I'm I've got your back here. What I'm saying is, oh man, Philly. You see what can ha- happen if Kirk stays? Did they really make the playoffs? I, I mean, uh, you they might they call me in. for this,
1: but I think I think being able to feel like yeah, they got trounced in the playoffs, but like I don't think that one helps. that that team. I, I disagree. That team leaves the season thinking, wow, like we. We did some right. damage, like, we, and I know that they didn't beat a winning team all year. So, but like yeah. in that locker room Sorry. and with that coaching staff, they feel good about that season, and they're now worse. they feel like they're in a great spot for 2022. I feel worse about that team. I and I think
3: they're they're going to go downhill from here, not uphill. Um, I think. Really? I, yeah, I don't like them that much. I really don't. I think it's going to blow up. But my point is that, look, I'm with you. I've got your back here, Phil. Okay. okay. I want the Vikings. I quit, think you stabbing it. I think you're – just because just because you went back to the football buffet eight times and piled on the cheeses and saw this stuff, it's not that good, but, man, there's so much free food, okay? Just because you went back to the football buffet doesn't mean that you got a quality meal. But, my, but I'm with you in the fact that I think that you should be looking squarely at 23 and not trying to be bad, but you do have to reshape this team and and i really believe that from the exercise we just went through the only way to truly reshape this team is to trim off a contract that is probably the easiest one to trim from yes and and last thing before we get tweets all right you'll need to find a trade partner for Kirk where Kirk will agree to stay and extend so don't so we're not saying well just transfer that contract to the saints who are massively in trouble what we're saying is you give Kirk a fresh start, and Kirk signs a three-year extension in Pittsburgh or Denver or with the Saints. That's fine. But we're not suggesting that that contract be traded in whole, and then that team just says, oh, great, we've got a huge cap hit. Of course, we love that. We're not suggesting that.
1: Yeah, no, there Yeah, there would be an extension of some. I just like know so.
3: that now we're going to get, like, three notes every time. That's fine. That's why so You guys are morons. I, I totally love the okay –
1: I love the notes. Feedback Friday is coming up.
3: I like the notes, too. I'm just saying, you know, we know what we're doing here. We're professionals.
0: damn it.
1: Yes, I'm a people person. Why can't you people see that? You know, Federated's here to help business owners. They've been around. And I don't know if if they can help the Vikings at this point. Like, they're kind of on their own trying to find a new GM and coach. But, you know, for, for many businesses out there. They are all about frontline risk management and protection, and you can tap into all sorts of resources at federatedinsurance.com, like MyShield, for instance. Check them out. They've been around for over 100 years, based in Oatana, Federatedinsurance.com or download the app, and remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. All right, every Thursday we also go back into the Twitter archives, and Declan digs up dirt on us. It's called Old Tweets
2: exposed all right we're gonna start with uh you guys are actually combined in one clip you guys are uh, this might be a first time for old t- takes slash tweets exposed i uh did a little twitter search and i found actually i'm 100 percent sure actually i made this little audiogram about four years ago uh it's december of 2018 and you guys are painting a picture for the vikings and let's just let's, let's just play the clip
1: what happens if for one month, or in this case, let's call it six weeks, two months, whatever it is, couldn't you see this team knocking off a couple good teams in the NFC? I know you're going to say no.
3: No, no, I've, no, keep going. But, but keep going. I, but I'll tell you what I can see.
1: But I think, so th- this team absolutely shut down Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson mm-hmm. two of the last three weeks. This defense is almost completely back to where it was last year in the in the passing game. It's back to being the fourth best defense in the league yards per play even after the terrible start to the year. All these things. And if switching out the offensive coordinator flips a light switch on and all of a sudden Adam Thielen's unstoppable again and Kirk Cousins is insulated the way he should be, things change pretty quick for this team. It's not likely, but I still think this team can win the Super Bowl. All right, I'm not going to
3: completely buzzkill what you said because of this. Chip and I were talking off the air in the 3 o'clock, and Chip brought up a really good point, and I completely agree and could see this happening, not easily, but I could certainly see it. The Vikings are going to make the playoffs. I I believe that. The rest of the conference below them is just a mess. Mm -hmm. And I think they're going to win on Sunday. I think they're going to win enough in the final three games that they're going to make it, and they're not. it's not even going to be a huge sweat to make it. And as Chip said, and I really can see this happening, is if they match up against Chicago, it would not take an act of God to go to Chicago, Soldier Field, and win. They don't win there much, and Chicago's defense is really good, but couldn't you see a really well-orchestrated offensive game plan where Kirk becomes, where they basically um put kid gloves and handle Kirk, and so Kirk plays well, but he doesn't have to be phenomenal, but more importantly, Trubisky completely melts down, so Trubisky throws like three picks, one for a pick six, and you win 21 to seven or something. Yeah. The fly in the ointment to the Super Bowl is I don't think you can go to New Orleans and win. Like, if you have to play the Saints there, I think you're dead. I don't think Kirk... I I think ultimately what you're going to find is, unfortunately, that this might be true for three years. I think when the game gets absolutely huge, I don't know that Kirk can win. I just don't. I've seen enough now to question that. But if you want to go down a path where the Vikings make the playoffs, which I think that they will, and win a game or possibly a second game if they played the right team, I could see it.
2: Wow, there's a lot to unpack. Lot to unpack. Did you there. did you did you tell us what year that was from? Yeah, December of 2018. So, going in to uh that was obviously when the Vikings got bounced by the B squad of the Bears in the last week of the season. They didn't even end up making yeah. the playoffs. <laughs> you guys are painting a picture to possibly <laughs> still win and and potentially make a run to the Super Bowl. Oh, that team God. didn't even make the postseason. Lot to take away.
1: So th- so th- this clip was with 3 weeks left. Mhm. And the Vikings had just lost a couple games in a row. They yeah, were six yeah. and six. They won yep. their next two games to get to actually they yep. were six six and one to get They're to eight to six dolphins. and one. Yep. And and then they uh, they play the Bears a, a B squad. The Bears were twelve and four that year, but the, like the Bears had already won the division. But the to me the, the the most damning thing in all of that was Judd saying that his biggest concern was going into New Orleans. Yep. They did the exact thing the next year and they yep. beat the Saints. But in what did I say game. about
3: Kirk? That part is actually that From point, that game held true. That was the only. In the first year, I said, I don't think that he can consistently win big games. I, cho- I choose to see this as one of my greatest accomplishments. Old tweets praised is what I'm going to call
1: it. I mean, ultimately, I did say that I thought that 2018 Vikings team could win the Super Bowl, and they Ugh. didn't even make the playoffs. It, it was, was so really like, bad for a while, but then I
3: think great. it really picked up. Really I said first of three years. I don't think this guy can do enough. it.
1: Okay, all right. That's pretty interesting. Oh, little, little three that was and a half Vax. year flashback there. Next, good find. Mackie and Judd.
2: So actually, for mine, I'm at, I'm gonna I'm gonna replay an old take that I've I think I've actually shared on this platform before, but it's more relevant because of the stipulations that's at play for the current Vikings team and also for this team this weekend. I'm that seriously at all. I really don't. Um, oh, I love it. This is one of what three or four games of schedule that should be an absolute gimme. I know the Vikings are still favored and they're on the road and uh, I put them right that down that fair, fair they'd fair win fair. by 10. Yeah, I expect this team to I expect the Vikings to win by 10 in this game. I I like Joe Burrow's future. I think he's going to be a, a damn good quarterback when it's all said and done, when he hangs it up. But right now the Bengals are an absolute mess. Vikings are going to feast on Cincinnati. No, I do not take take the Bengals seriously at all.
3: Whoops. <laughs> I remember that
1: well. Whoops. Yeah, I think Declan wins. Just completely out on the Bengals. Oh, I remember. They won their division. Season not even Joe started. Joe Burrow is one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. <laughs> Man, I got clowned before the season started for putting out my my annual quarterback ranking list, and I put Joe Burrow in the top ten and not Kirk Cousins man people we call like, the co- no the cousins crusaders nah, nah, like nah, nah, what? You joe burrow it's okay. like do you guys watch other g- i don't remember yeah. do you guys like not watch football not you guys but like the cousins crusaders you really by the way did you see some of the throws josh allen was making in that game over the weekend yeah like sprinting out to his right one Oof. leg 40 yard dimes down the field i mean come how, on how did he get his accuracy so refined and it's not fully refined? Yeah, he's no, it's dope. not. It's Much but it more is refi- refined than it was. But it's really refined. Well, it'd be nice to maybe bring Brian Dable in and find out. How oh, uh, did Josh no, Allen I don't have Brian Dable. Become more accurate. So, all right, well, congratulations to Declan for uh, winning old tweets exposed. Way to go, Dex. Nice finds, though. <laughs> Good work. Amazing. Executive producer doing
3: executive producer things. <laughs>
1: If you're watching Mackie and Judd on the Score North YouTube channel, please click the subscribe button and the like button so we can help spread the word about this show and uh, this Minnesota sports community, if you will, to, uh, to other damaged Minnesota sports fans. Feedback Friday tomorrow. You can always hit us up with your questions, comments, critiques, concerns through the Score North app. There's a feedback tab at the bottom. You can also always hit us up in the comment section on these YouTube episodes. So, All right. The Vikings GM and coaching search continues. Reckless Speculation Thursday. I think we got our fix today. good. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or mac and cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy Five or More. Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers,
0: fresh for everyone. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more all access membership separate offer ends december 25th cannot be combined with other offers see additional terms at onepeloton.com.
3: venture x from capital one is the travel card for people always asking where next
1: you earn 10x miles on
3: hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through capital one travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with venture x Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet?
0: Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along
3: the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward. And take your breath away, like the all-new Nissan Aria.
2: We learned to make EVs that electrify.
0: 8 billion miles driven by LEAF owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change.